I want to start out by asking you to think through this one question, and the question is this. What comes to mind when you hear the word missions? Do you think the world? Do you think of a certain people? When you think of missions, do you think of a certain place? When you think of mission, is it a a program? Or do you think of missions and you think of, I'm going to be guilted into giving? (laughs) What do you think of when you think of missions? I want to ask you to think one step deeper about missions and maybe ask yourself this question is, what do you think of missions in regards to you and God? Is it a command from God? A suggestion from God? Do you think, God, not for me, somebody else? I used to think more about missions, God, but now life has changed. What are your thoughts when you think of missions and God? This morning, my hope, our hope, our prayer is that the Lord will stir in us, maybe even refresh our understanding of what missions is, but more importantly, how it relates to you and God in this world. The mission of the church God's mission for the church, for the most part, is pretty simple and straightforward. God has not made the mission for his church very complicated complicated or difficult. We're usually the ones that do that. But I think all would agree to live out God's missions may be simple in concept, but not so easy to fulfill at times. So today I want to take a look at God's mission for the church and our response to it. So in looking at missions and mission statements, I started looking at this uh, different businesses and organizations. Does anybody know what the mission statement of Facebook is? Here's what it is not. An online platform designed to compare yourselves with other people and make you waste most of your day. (laughs) That's not the mission. Facebook's mission, to give people the power to share and make the world more open and connected. Amazon's mission, making it easy for you to spend money and get, a, get quickly things you really don't have to have. <laughs> These organizations are very glad that they didn't want me to come up with their mission statements. Amazon's mission statements, to be the Earth's most customer-centric company where customers can find and discover anything they might want to buy online and endeavors to offer its customers the lowest possible prices. Google, to organize the world's information and make it universally acceptable, accessible and useful. Does the church have a mission statement? Does Grace Community Church have a mission statement declaring its purpose in the world? The answer is yes. Grace Community Church, we will seek to capture the heart of our community and world with God's redemptive story. This is the mission of grace, and more importantly, it is the mission of God's people. God has given the church a mandate, a mission, and... He's also given the church a method 
to carry out the mission. And that method is you and I. So the question this morning, the only question really left to answer this morning is this. What part is God calling me to play in his mission? The title of the message this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 6. Here am I, send me. Before we get into the text this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time where we can pause, where we can think, where we can be challenged, reflect, and respond. God, this morning you have given us a time and a place as we open your word to reflect on what it is the church is to be doing and how each person here is a part of that mission. So God, I pray this morning as your spirit teaches and encourages us through your word that he will also challenge us, convict us, Remind us that we've been empowered and that we would be sensitive to his call this morning. Would you take a minute and pray for the person in front of you, behind you, beside you, that they would hear and respond to the Lord this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, 9. Isaiah chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen. Isaiah 6, verse 1 says this. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple, seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go tell this people. The passage we read in verse 6 starts out with, in the year king of King Uzziah's death. Now many approach this statement and think they read this as like a passing of kings. And, and some people look at it as a historical marker of when one king ended and one king, another kingdom began. And for some it's uh, no more than that. But for Isaiah it was much more. And here's the reason why. Because this was a monumental time for Isaiah and the people of Israel. 
In some ways, it's almost a life-shattering event that King Uzziah had died. This means nothing to us unless we think about who King Uzziah was. Well, King Uzziah was a godly man. He was a godly king. He became king at age 16. He loved God and served God, and the Bible records that Uzziah did things right in the sight of the Lord. Under his leadership, Israel's border were expanded, new cities were built, and not since King Solomon had the country been so blessed and so proud. Uzziah reigned for 52 years, and during that time, the nation saw blessings and prosperity. And now, King Uzziah had died. And Isaiah was overcome with despair. He was depressed. He was discouraged. And the question around King Uzziah's death was this. How was God going to continue to bless? Could God bless anymore? And many of us, many of us, in one way or another, to one extent to another, may be thinking, in some ways, like Isaiah. How, in the midst of our culture and society, is God going to continue his prosperity and blessings? What is his plan to combat despair and discouragement and a sense of loss and hope for the future? for the nation, for the church, for the people around us. We hear it or see it or talk about it all the time, a culture or a society without the presence of God, nor are they seeming to want the presence of God. And I talk to many people and they go, how is God going to break through? How are we going to make a difference in the world? What's God going to use? In our society, entertainment, schools, relationships, the absence of God is prevalent. You see it. I see it. We all agree to it. And like Isaiah, there may be a stirring in us. How is God going to bless in the midst of this? Notice how Isaiah views God in verses 1 through 4. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, and each having wings, six wings. Two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, two he flew. And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah gives us great insight that needs not be forgotten. Although the godly king Uzziah had died, God had not. And although our society, although our culture is trying its best to push God away, God is still on the throne. King Uzziah had died, but God had not. And so the first point I want to make this morning is this. Our view of God affects everything. A right view of God is everything, and without it, we have nothing. Only when God is put in the right perspective, everything else is brought into focus. So missions starts with a right view of God. That no matter what the world we live in looks like, no matter how bad it gets or how bad we get, God is still on the throne. 
Now, let me ask you a hard question. Do you believe that? Does your life reflect that? Do you believe that God is just as powerful today as he was in the day of Isaiah? His power, his love, his grace, his mercy has not been limited by Congress, by the president, by the government, by our school systems. God has not been rendered powerless even by the church. God is just as powerful now as he was in the days of Isaiah, or as we sing, the days of Elijah. Missions start with a right perspective of who God is. God deserves the response of Isaiah today. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. When we consider alarming things like war and crime and violence and moral depravity, drugs, other disturbing things, we need a fresh vision that God is still on the throne. Psalms talks about God being the lifter of our head. That sure, all this stuff is happening, but, but as believers, God can lift our head to see things differently and to see him differently. So mission starts with a correct view of God. So I want to challenge you with this first point is this, is what is your view of God? I want to challenge you this week to sit with that question, to have coffee with a friend and ask each other that question, what is your view of God? Do you believe God is powerful? Even in the situation that you're in, the situation our society's in, is God powerful? The second thing is this, our correct view of God gives us a correct view of ourselves. Look at verse 5. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah, after seeing God for who he was, realized who he was. And he confesses to God his weakness and dependency. In other words, Isaiah recognized that he was nothing. He was ruined. That he had nothing. He had unclean lips. And he could offer nothing without the supernatural work of God. Isaiah, after seeing God for who he was, realized that it was only by the grace of God and the power of God that the life he lived could be for the glory of God. Verse 7 says, He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched my lips, and your iniquity is taken away, your sin is forgiven. As believers, there has been a work of God in our lives. The cross of Jesus has done what Isaiah is talking about. That our sin has been forgiven. A right view of God will give us a right view of ourself. It will show our weakness, our need of a Savior. And God says, your need has been fulfilled by the person of Jesus on the cross. It is God, not us, who is at work. In regards to mission, I want to make a clarifying point. It is not the church who calls you to missions. It is not the missions team. 
It is not me as the pastor. It's not the elders. Your call to missions is from God. And therefore, your response to missions is not to me, to the missions team, to the leadership. Your response to missions is to God. It's very important. We are accountable to him. And so Isaiah sees this this picture, this understanding, this refreshed view of God. He sees this understanding of himself that he needs God to intervene in his life. Jesus has worked in our lives. And so no matter what we do or where we go, it's always to be about Jesus. If we feed the hungry, if we build shelters for the homeless, if we give money to the poor, if we drill wells for those who are thirsty, any organization can do that. And in fact, maybe even do it better than us. But they don't have what we have, which is Jesus. And that is why we do what we do. Everything we do in missions is connected to the person and work of Jesus. The church, the church's mission is always about Jesus. We go, we pray, we sin because of the great work of Jesus. We are ultimately accountable to God and the work he desires to do in and through us. Missions begins from a life that has been transformed by God. So understand this pattern. I see a refreshed view of God. And in seeing God's glory, I realize my weakness and my need of a Savior. And God, in his intimate, gracious, merciful love, sends Jesus to save me and forgive me of my sins. And because of that transforming work in my life, he now calls me to share that same story with other people. The church may provide the opportunity, give and support and pray, but the call and the response is between you and the Lord. So here's my final thought about missions. That missions really is all about obedience. Our lives are to be obedient to his call, to live out what God's called us to do. Why do we do missions? Because God's said so. Now, if you're a parent, you've heard your kids say, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to do that? And our classic, wonderful answer, you can say it with me, because I said so. And I wonder sometimes why I can't transfer that same thing to my Heavenly Father. When He says, I'm calling you to missions, we go, why? Who? Where? And He goes, because I said so. And if it's good enough for my boys, it's probably good enough for me. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Jesus says in Matthew 
28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Since I was a kid, after becoming a Christian at seven, eight years old, I always had this question that was stuck in my head. After I gave my life to Christ, why does he leave me here? Why didn't he just take me straight to heaven at that point? In his book, Morning by Morning, the late Charles Spurgeon, theologian and preacher, asked a similar question. He said this, Why are his children still wandering here and there through a maze when a solitary word from his lips could bring them into the center of their hopes in heaven? He goes on to answer his question. He says, They are here, he writes, that they may, in the words of Scripture, live unto the Lord and may bring others to know his love. And he concludes with this thought. We remain on earth as sowers to scatter good seed, as plowmen to break up fallow ground, as heralds publishing salvation. That's why God doesn't immediately take us home. We are here for a reason and for a purpose, to be obedient to Jesus and his call. Think about this incredible thought that God wants to use you and me to make an appeal to the world on his behalf. How many of you here, I know this is a tough question, how many of you here are believers in Jesus? Christians? And if you don't know, here's how you know that you've seen and heard God for who he is. And you've recognized that you are not him and that you need a savior and that you understand that God in his love sent Jesus to die for you and your sins. And you've accepted him as your personal savior. And at that moment, scripture says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. And so now you're a believer. You're a Christian. But let me tell you something else. You're also a missionary. Why are you a missionary? Because you've recognized the holiness of God. You've seen the world and their emptiness, their sinfulness, and you've heard the command of God to go. That's what missions is all about. The transforming work of Jesus in the lives of others. Isaiah said, as I paraphrase, then I said, here I am. I am willing to be used by God. Can you say that this morning? That is the answer God is looking for from every believer with an obedient heart. God, I want, I desire, because of your great love for me and work on my behalf, I desire to be used by you. So the question for us this morning is, what does this idea and command of mission have to do with me? How has it played out in my life? How can I make the call of missions come alive in my world? There's three ways. 
go, pray, or send. GPS. You know what a GPS does? It gives you coordinates and guides you to a direction you need to go. So as you think about GPS, you think about number one, go. That we heard this morning about the different types of trips that are going. And it's so great, as Ann said earlier, to be able to offer trips again. To go. And I want to encourage you, the tables at the end of the service, talk to people who've gone. They'll tell you. But some may be thinking, I can't travel that far. I can't travel that long. But I can travel across the street. I can go to that other desk at my coworker's office. I can talk to my family. I can go talk to some friends. It's not a matter. It's not an issue or a problem of people or place. It's a, an issue of willingness. And readiness to go. To move from one point to another. And if you need another motivator, think about this. Somebody came to you. If you've noticed in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, Isaiah says, Then I said, Here am I, send me. And there's an exclamation point there. He says it with resolve. I think that's what God is asking us as well. The second way to get involved in this mission is this, is to pray. When I talk to people in church, sometimes they'll go, well, I'll pray for you. And it's almost like this apologetic, like, oh, that's all I can do is pray. And let me tell you, if God's called you to pray, then you pray. Praise the Lord you're praying. We fight a battle that's not flesh and blood. It's spiritual in nature. And if you remember what Ephesians chapter 6 talks about, he says, put on the full armor of God. But in verse 18, he says this, with a prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, in all perseverance and petition, pray for all the saints. And Paul says, pray on my behalf. Don't apologize for just praying. Prayer, it's not like this second-class thing. It's not like this, oh yeah, let me pray about it. Prayer is where the power of missions resides. Every mission trip I've been on and every mission trip that I have led, one of the first requirements I do for myself and for the team is I ask them, get you a prayer team. And when you get a prayer team, then you'll be ready to go. Prayer is the source of God's work and the power of it. And finally, there's send. Give financially. Give of your time. Give of your talents. In the back, you may have noticed as you walked in on your right-hand side, you noticed a wall with a bunch of envelopes on it. Now, if you looked closely at the wall and the envelopes, you'll see an amount on the envelope. Well, on that wall, there's envelopes that go from 1 to 100 and then some other um, larger numbers. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you as you leave today to pick up one of these envelopes of an amount. The lower numbers are the smaller, smaller numbers are for the little kids. They can even participate. So I don't want to see any of you like stooping down. 
I want to see you reaching up high. But grab an envelope. Grab an envelope, and on the back, you can, it goes to the mission trips of 2023. Where the needs are, we'll disperse, disperse it that way. And here's the, here's the great thing. Everybody can participate. Giving equals sacrifice. So maybe cut out one of those Starbucks. Say no to something else and say yes to this. Whatever you want to do. Parents, encourage your kids. Grab an envelope. Everybody can participate. And if everybody participates, uh, as, as the envelopes go, there's a picture behind the envelopes, just so you know, and it's not my portrait. <laughs> but in order for you to find out, you'll have to take an envelope. But if everybody takes an envelope and everybody gives, $15,000 will be collected for summer mission trips or mission trips in 2023. And everybody can have a part of it. So give. Send people. My dad used to say, when I'd ask for money, son, we don't have a money tree out back. Let me just say this. Grace doesn't have a money tree out back either. Trips are funded through your obedience and giving so other people can go. So this morning, as you walked in, you were given a commitment card. And as you can tell, we're partaking of communion this morning. Seth and the team is going to come, and we're going to partake of communion. But on your communion card, you have the verse. And with the Lord's help and direction, I commit to go, pray, send for the glory of God and the promotion of Jesus. And this morning, as uh, the music's playing, maybe people are coming up for communion, I want to ask you to pray and talk to God about your role in missions. Remember, this is not about me. It's not about grace. It's between you and God. If you want to put your name on it, you can put your name on it. But as you come to partake of communion, as you think of two things, the work of Christ in communion and my response to work God's uh, Christ's work in my life, come and give your commitment in these baskets up here. If you've never been to Grace and we've taken communion before, I would ask you to exit from the right, come and partake of communion, drop your commitment cards in and enter back into the right. Hold on to the elements uh, and we'll all partake of communion at the very end. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. God, I pray that you would give us a renewed vision of you that even though the world we live in seems to enjoy your absence we know that you're not dead that you're alive and as Isaiah said that you are high and lifted up God thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in our place to forgive us of our sins and God, thank you for calling us to participate in your work in the world. May we, like Isaiah, with resolve, say, here am I. Use me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come forward as a music place for communion and your commitment cards.
Lord now at this time. Paul's instruction in 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord, but I also passed on to you, Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
Let me pray for us. God, thanks again for this morning. God, we can pray that you continue to speak to us in regards to what you have called us to do in regards to mission. Go, pray, send. With resolve, we pray. Here am I, send me. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. Amen, let's stand.